How many of you have been enjoying 1 John? How many of you have, can say 1 John has changed me? How many of you have been pausing to praise, thinking to thank, and willing to worship? Boy, I, now I'm the preacher, and I have to remind myself. Today, when I left to go to church, to come to church tonight, had a little bit of a headache, and I was thinking, you know, I got a little bit of a headache. And then I thought, you know, I'm just going to pause to praise about that. I'm going to pause to praise about that. And I started praising God. Now, I'm not saying it's magic that I don't have a headache anymore, and I didn't take an Excedrin. There's something to be said for, for praising the power of God into your problem. But that's Sundays. Tonight we're on 1 John. So let's, uh, and by the way, all of you, before you're looking up here, in just 10 days, 100 guitars of praise. And I want to encourage you, want to encourage you, just you heard it from me, you better get there early. If you want a chair, you better get there early. If you plan on going, and I sure hope you do, I'd get there by 7. Starts at 7.30. Just fellowship. Sit there. Praise God. Because I think it's going to be packed. Amen? Amen? Well, tonight we're on something that I think probably most people know this aspect or this portion of, of 1 John more than anything else. Because we're going to talk about believing not every spirit. Believing not every spirit. 1 John 4, 1. Let's, let's read it together. Let's just stand to read one verse and we're going to pray and then we're going to get right into the Word of God. All right, can you just read it out loud with me? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you want your people to have discernment. You want us to be wise you want us to recognize a right spirit and a wrong spirit when it encounters us. So, Lord, we pray for wisdom and illumination from the Holy Ghost of God as we get into your word tonight. In Jesus' name, can you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, please speak to me. Amen. Bless you. You can be seated. Now, let's look at this. John, uh, you know, the more I read First John, here's what I see it just boiled down to. John is like a skipping record, and here's what he's saying. If you know God, you, you will be growing in love one for another. And if you know God, you will walk according to his word. <laughs> now, if you want to just boil down First John to those two things, you got it. If you know God, you will increasingly love one another. And if you know God, you will walk according to his word. That's it. If you want to distill 1 John, that's it. And so you're going to find him repeating and repeating and repeating. And so uh, tonight now, he's talking about, once again, the false prophets that have gone out in the world. Now, I know, let me just see how, how we're doing with your memory. Why did he write this letter? Because of who was out there that had him concerned, the, say it out loud, Gnostics. That's right. And what did the Gnostics teach? The Gnostics taught that all what was evil, all matter was evil. If you were a Gnostic, that chair is evil, your clothes are evil, this building's evil. 
And so the Gnostics were invading the church and they were teaching since matter is evil, there's no way that God sent his son in the form of flesh because that would make him evil. So they were denying the incarnation. And if you deny the incarnation, you have no Christianity. The incarnation says God wrapped himself in flesh. That's the incarnation. God wrapped himself in flesh. He became one of us. You take that away, there is no faith. There's no Christianity. So, John is, John is righteously angry about this. Now, when he's talking about believe not every spirit, who do you think he has in mind? The Gnostics. All right? But what he teaches now crosses the centuries. Because we're not dealing with necessarily the Gnosticism that he was. But we deal in our generation, come on, I mean, we see it all the time. Jesus was not unique. Jesus was a good teacher, you know, a very inspirational personality, a wonderful man. But come on, God became a man? You hear it all the time. Even people who are politically conservative on television are very liberal theologically. They will sit there and say, Jesus didn't come. Come on, you really believe that? I remember when I first came to Fort Worth, one of my theological initiations into Fort Worth was I turned on the TV during Easter and a very well-known pastor from a very prominent church in this area was looking right in the camera saying, now we know, we know that the virgin birth and the resurrection are myths. I stood back from the TV because I didn't want to get hit by the lightning that hit him. And what really freaked me out personally because I'd been in East Texas for seven years where uh, it, you just didn't have somebody that brazen doing that kind of thing. And, and I, ca- I came to realize that, that uh, there is a warfare going on, ladies and gentlemen, in our day. And it's the spirit of Antichrist. It may have a different name, maybe not first century Gnosticism, but it's the same thing. There, it, any cult is always, you're going to find them always marginalizing the person of Jesus Christ. And modernism, the spirit of our day, the spirit of our culture, seeks to marginalize Jesus Christ every single day. It's a battle. Churches all over America are putting up the white flag and caving in to liberal theology, and they're not preaching the cross anymore, not preaching the blood anymore, not preaching salvation, not preaching hell, not preaching heaven. And that's very, very sad. It's not ever going to happen here. And thank God there's a lot of good churches that haven't caved, but whole denominations have. And I could name them, but you know who they are. Now, so with that in mind, let's look at what John says. When he, when he says, believe not, in the Greek text, it means to forbid the continuation of something already going on. So the way this would read in the Greek is this, literally, stop believing every spirit. Stop being gullible. Just because somebody has charisma or education or they're in a fancy expensive church, stop believing every spirit. Don't be gullible. That's what he's saying. 
I could get even blunter. Quit being stupid. You know who he is. Quit being stupid. Quit being an easy take for false teachers. That's what he's telling them. So apparently some of them had started buying this Gnosticism. So obviously some of the Christians were being carried away by the error of the Gnostics who taught that all matter, every material thing was evil. Therefore, God could never have become flesh. Now, when he says believe not every spirit, the word spirit there is pneuma. And, and, and uh, pneuma just means spirit or breath. Spirit is pneuma or breath. This word is used to refer to one in whom a spirit is manifest or embodied. He's saying, don't believe every spirit that is talking out of a human being. That's what he's saying. Now, let me throw a, a word your way here tonight. Hence, somebody who is actuated. Can you say actuated with me? All right. Actuated means to make somebody act or behave in a specific way. So he's saying, don't believe every spirit that speaks out of a human being. It can be a divine spirit or it can be demonic. But spirits speak through people. People are actuated. They are caused to act a certain way by a spirit being. That's what John is telling us. It gets a little creepy, but we need to get a little creepy. Because we're going to find out about our warfare tonight. Okay? The first revelation we need to catch, church is that people can come under the influence of a demon and become that demon's vessel. In this case, it's for the purpose of teaching false doctrine. Now this is what John is saying. He's not saying don't believe every spirit that comes creeping up to you and sits on your shoulder in the form of some kind of E.T. looking thing and talks to you. He's saying spirits, pneuma, speak through people. And I want you to learn to discern what spirit you're encountering through people. Have you ever been talking to somebody, maybe witnessing the gospel, and suddenly realize that you're looking at something in their eyes that is not fully human? Pastor Jeff, you're creeping me out now. I want to go home and sleep tonight. You're safe under the blood. But I got to tell you what the man is teaching by the Holy Ghost here. He's not saying some booty-waddy, booty-waddy, ethereal force spirit that comes and speaks into your head. He's saying a human will be talking to you, and I want you to learn that behind that human there may be a spirit, and I don't want you to, to believe or be gullible to believe every spirit. Because it might be a demon spirit with a satanic assignment against you. Now look at this. Didn't Paul tell us, now the Spirit ex, uh, explicitly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith and what will they do? Read it with me. Giving heed to deceiving what? Spirits. Now the word there is pneuma. Same word. Now here he's showing us human beings giving heed to seducing or deceiving pneuma, spirits, and doctrines of demons, daimonion. They are actually, when they yield to the demon spirit that demon spirit teaches them doctrines from hell and if you don't learn to recognize it you can sit under the ministry of a demon 
and be taught doctrines of demons and think you're just listening to flesh and blood. Oh, they're brilliant. Oh, they're charismatic. Oh, they just have a way. Or oh, they're so educated. Let me tell you something, folks. We've got to understand. The first century, these, these apostles saw beyond the veil. They taught us that there is a fourth dimension. There is a fourth dimension. And how often do we stop and think when we're dealing with somebody who might be attacking us, persecuting us, trying to deceive us, that actually behind the face, behind the eyes, in the fourth dimension, there's a spirit. Daimonion. That's what he's saying. And there's a satanic assignment against you. Okay? Now, look what happens. They speak lies and hypocrisy. Who's doing the speaking of lies? The human being who gave heed to the deceiving spirits. Because deceiving spirits don't have a conscience to sear. So, look at this. Giving heed to deceiving spirits, once they give heed to that demon spirit, that daimonion, then it says they go out and they speak lies in hypocrisy. They carry the demon's message and it sears their own conscience with a hot iron. Serious stuff. It's very dangerous to teach false doctrine. <clears throat> very, very dangerous. And now look at this. The means of transmission of the doctrines of demons are human beings who yield to deceiving spirits, pneuma, and speak the demons' lies to other people. So false teachers can be and are actuated by demon spirits. Yeah. I guarantee you, I've listened to people before on TV or in person that... Um, I, there was something wrong and I you know you you know how you feel like something's wrong here and you can't put your finger on what's wrong but your spirit the spirit of God inside of you says something's wrong something's just wrong you say well what is it well you know what sometimes your the the spirit within you has reasons your mind knows not of because it's discernment it's the spirit of God saying to you what you are hearing is not from God now, you may not be able to pick it apart intellectually and say why it's not of God, but something inside of you goes, mm, and this is not of God. That's discernment. And that's where you go, you hear John saying, ah, see, the Holy Ghost within you is telling you that what you're listening to is not from God, so don't believe, don't accept the message of that Spirit. Wow. So first of all, we must realize that some things that approach us in the form of flesh and blood, human beings may actually have a spirit behind them. The Bible talks about seducing spirits, deceiving and lying spirits, false Christ and false prophets. All of that's out there. Anything that offers to plug you into the supernatural world by any means other than Christ, is demonic in origin. It is deception. There's all kinds of lying spirits out there. All you got to do is turn on the TV and you'll hear them. Jesus isn't the only way. You can hug a tree and get to heaven. You can get there by other messiahs, other teachers, other belief systems. It doesn't really matter as long as you're a good person and never get a ticket. 
and don't cuss and chew and run with the boys that do. But, you, but, but they'll tell you this. And, and cults are on, on the television and radio all the time and false messages, false teachings just infiltrate the airwaves. So we, in our day, with mass media, I mean, John, he was just dealing with traveling teachers. In our day, there's a million different ways to receive the message of demons. So he says, you better be discerning. Now, let me tell you something, folks. I, I've pastored almost 25 years. I've seen good people, really good people, who I knew well and who I loved, buy into the teaching of demons and I've seen them transform I've seen them morph into people that I did not know I've seen them go down the tube once they accepted the message from a wrong spirit listen this is why one of the reasons John wrote this and like I said it crosses the centuries it's timeless it's not just a first century message we've got to be discerning and the minute that you can tell what I'm hearing that is not from God. Turn it off. Why give a demon spirit 60 seconds with your brain? Because it's a spirit, and it's seeking to reach out and grab hold of your mind and grab hold of your heart, and if it can, get hold of your life. This is really, really strong stuff. Virtually every time we encounter demonic activity in Scripture, it's in the context of deception. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. Let's read out loud what Jesus said, can we? He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it is perfectly normal, for he is the father of lies. Jesus could not lie. That's why he always said, truly, truly, I say to you. Verily, verily, I say to you. But Conversely, Satan cannot tell the truth. When he speaks, it is guaranteed to be a lie because he hates the truth. So look what Paul warned. It makes a whole lot more sense when you read this out of 1 John 4, 1. Paul warned, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. That's who we're fighting with. I just want you to stop and think about that. We're fighting against persons without bodies who want a body to, to dwell in so that they can use it as a vessel. But our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with human beings. It's with bodiless, disembodied beings. Satan, demon spirits who fell. Now, look what he says. He names them. The evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world, the world of spirits, which is eternal. Everything here is temporal, but the world of spirits is eternal. The spirit in you is eternal. The disembodied spirits of the enemy are eternal. Angels are eternal. God's eternal. Spirit things are eternal. You know, uh, it, it's, it's hard to remember these things when you're, you know, having a spat with somebody or 
or uh, uh, you know that you're, you feel like you're having some conflict with a flesh and blood human being, especially if it's somebody really coming against your faith or seeking to drag you down or seeking to some way or another undermine your faith or lure you away from Christ, lure you into compromise, it's hard to remember that it could be a disembodied spirit who has gotten resonance in that person and has zeroed in on you. But Paul knew this. Remember that little damsel woman was following them around saying, these are preachers and teachers of the Most High God? And you know, the the girl was saying all the right things. But it says Paul was grieved in his spirit. Grieved in his spirit. What was he experiencing? Discernment. And And finally he wheeled around, identified the demon that was dwelling in this girl and cast it out. And that's how they got thrown into prison and the jailhouse rock and the Philippian church was born and all of that. It all began with an evil spirit, a disembodied spirit that was dwelling in that girl and he cast it out of her. It's discernment. You know, uh, Kathy and I went to Hawaii a few years ago and um, I love snorkeling. I could snorkel all day. I could snorkel all week. I, especially in those tropical waters. But the first time I ever did it, I remember putting on that mask and putting on that tube and breathing tube. And, and, and you know, when you, before you go under, you're looking at this just glassy sea, green, beautiful, just gorgeous. But I was amazed at the minute I put my face under and opened my eyes and looked, there was a whole world that you couldn't begin to see if your head was above the water. But the minute you went under, here's a world. Now, if we could put on God's glasses, we would see another world. And there would be spirits, angels, demons, archangels, seraphim, cherubim, Jesus, Christ, the devil, these principalities and powers, evil princes, we would see, if we could see into that fourth dimension, but you accept it by faith. The Bible tells us it's there. It's there. And and the bad part of it, the evil aspect of it, is, is at war with us because it hates our Christ. I noticed studying today that according to Jesus Christ, these beings hate being disembodied more than any single thing. Jesus said when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through dry places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. You the house. Now I'll be real clear. I find nowhere in the New Testament where a Christian can be possessed of the devil. I find where a Christian can be oppressed but not possessed because we're owned by somebody else and the blood covers us and the Holy Spirit lives within us. This is talking about, this is a principle. Jesus is telling us something about demon spirits. They don't like being disembodied. That's why when he was casting the demons out of the Gadarene demoniac, they said, look, we don't want to go down to the abyss. At least let us go into the swine. They Give us anything, even if it's pigs, but don't let us be disembodied. He says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, 
clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. Notice he had, the demon had no rest as long as it was disembodied. So that's why, folks, I tell you, walk full of the Holy Ghost, walk full of the Word of God, and when you get saved, the devil loses a major victory over your life. But don't even give him an opportunity to oppress you, even oppress you. But God help the people out there in that world who don't know Jesus, who right now are occupied by evil spirits. Let me tell you, they're everywhere. How can somebody do what this guy did in New York unless you're full of spirits? You can't. And the Bible is also clear on what is not rooted in a demonic spirit, but in the flesh. Now I'm going to take away from some of you, some of your, the devil made me do it. Because I'm about to show you what the devil didn't make you do. I want you to see what is not an evil spirit, okay? But instead it's a work of the flesh. I want you to read these with me. It's so much fun. Are you ready? Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. <sighs> That's a lot of things that can latch on to you. But you know what? Here's the deal. If you're dealing with any of these things, admit it and quit it. It's not the devil, it's your flesh. No, it's a spirit of anger. The Bible doesn't say that it's a demon spirit of anger. It said it's flesh. You learn to react that way. You know what made me go to school? What made me go to school, to seminary, where I could learn the language? Way back in the 70s, I saw so many loony, toony things in the church. I'm talking crazy, baby. I'm talking people tackled in church aisles casting devils out of them and they're trying to get out of church and there's christians tackling them trying to cast devils out of them i saw people supposedly get spirits of tobacco spirits of anger spirits of this and that the next day they're walking down the street smoking i said man that demon came back quick he must have just gone around the block and jumped right back in i said something's wrong here i'm gonna learn the word just so that I'm not a fruit loop for God. And so I began to see that a lot of what that embryonic, that early charismatic movement was calling demons wasn't demons. It was flesh. I'll never forget being in one deliverance session, quote, and they had this poor guy on the floor and they were saying, what's your name, what's your name? And he came out with a Star Wars character. And so that's it. I'm going to school. Something like Vader. I forget what it was, but it was. I said, that's it. I'm going to school. <laughs> I'm going to school. I said, I know what the, he's been watching. And you've heard. Oh, no, I can't go into that. I, I've heard some funny stories. Oh, gosh. Oh, you know, I, there was a prophecy, and I believe in prophecy, but I tell you what, 
I believe that there's the real and there's the not real. And there was this one prophecy coming forth in this church. And this guy was, and I'm telling you, and God is angry. And, and uh, the whole world is afraid. The world is gripped in fear. And people are filled with fear. And America is filled with fear. And thus says the Lord, I'm even a little afraid. <laughs> True. <laughs> Don't think so. I, you know, folks, we need to know the Word. I'm telling you, we do. So that we can present a sound gospel of people. Now, I'm not saying not, don't have freedom and don't have liberty. I'm saying surely mix it with wisdom, you know. And uh, I wish I could say that's the worst I've heard, but it's not. But anyway, do you notice here, these are, this is flesh. These are things of the flesh. So repent of it and get your flesh under the control of the Holy Spirit. In the arena of potential deception, John says, try the spirits. Try is to put to the test for the purpose of approving and finding that the person put to the test meets the specifications laid down to put one's approval on him. He's saying, if these teachers are coming to your place or coming to you through TV or radio or anywhere else, try them, test it. And, and, and when, when they have passed the test, then put your approval on them. Then put your approval on them. John is encouraging us to put teachers to the test to see whether or not they are sound. And that means you, not just ministers like me, you had better do it or you could be taken by a cult. You could be taken by false teaching. Any one of you. The reason for this was that many false prophets are gone out into the world. False prophets have false teachings. Then John says, by this, let's read it together, can we? By this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. This is John's test, which will prove that the Holy Spirit is actuating a teacher. If that teacher confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, that's a proof of the fact that he is a true believer. It doesn't mean that everything he's saying is necessarily accurate, but at least he's a true believer. Because the Bible says no man, no woman, says Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So really, I guess the bottom line acid test of any teacher is, first of all, I want to know, do you believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Now, they may say yes and still have some false things to teach, and that's another night and another lesson. But bottom line here, a false teacher will always marginalize Jesus Christ. I'm going to be bold tonight and say it. The Mormons do it. They marginalize him. The Jehovah's Witnesses do it. They marginalize him. You name a cult to me, what we know to be a real cult in America, I guarantee you that cult marginalizes the person and the ministry, the work of Jesus Christ. Guaranteed. Masons, I, I believe, marginalize Christ. I don't know a whole lot about them, but I believe they do. Mm -hmm. So this is the test. Now, confess is from a Greek word that means to speak the same thing as another. So to agree with another. Hence, every teacher who agrees with the testimony of Scripture concerning Christ is of God. At least they've been born of God. 
Not that everything someone may teach is accurate, but at least you know you're not dealing with an antichrist spirit, which will deny Jesus every time. They'll marginalize him somehow. Anyone who denies this truth is being actuated by the spirit of antichrist, who denies and is against all that the Bible teaches regarding the person and work of the Lord Jesus, always denies it. Now, verse 4, let's read it together, can we? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John is saying that the saints to whom he is writing have overcome these false teachers. He's saying, little children of God, born ones of God, thank God you have overcome these false teachers. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's out there in the world teaching lies. Amen. The verb overcome is in the perfect tense, and it's speaking of a past completed victory and a present state of being a conqueror. They got the victory in the past, and praise God, they've still got the victory now. And that's, that's a good thing. How many of you can remember something years ago that had you in its grip, and God set you free back then? And praise God, you've still got the victory today. Amen? <clears throat> so he's saying, thank God you overcame them, and you've still got the victory today. They were not taken in by the heresies of false teachers and were abiding in a settled state, a settled state of victory over them. Their eyes were wide open to the error of heresy and to its demonic source. Let's read verse 5 together. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. These false teachers have their source in the evil world system. You could translate this way, out of the world as a source, they speak. They speak, their source is the, the demonic activity that's in the world. It's not from God. The source of their false doctrines is the world. The demons of Satan are part of this world system and the source of all heresy. Hence, the world of sinners accepts their teaching, for it recognizes its own language. Have you ever noticed this? This amazes me. I'm going to be real bold tonight. Now, the liberal media, let me, just for an example, have you noticed if anything that you know is of God runs across them, they're against it. I mean, and I'm not going to name names, but they make me crazy sometimes. I mean, I just, I want to reach through the TV and grab them by the throat and say, hey, shut up, stop it. But you can't. So you, you, you do the next best thing. Thank God for the mute button. It's the anointed button. Shut up. But now... And then have you noticed, if you know something is not of God, you know that it's Antichrist, they love it every time. You know why John's telling us the world hears its own. It's a spirit, and the spirit that is operating in their life resonates with the spirit of the enemy. It just does. It's, it's a spiritual battle going on. It's not a culture conflict. It's not a culture war. That's what the secular folks have called it. It's really not a culture war. It's a spiritual war between 
Christ and Antichrist spirits. And, and boy, is it vicious right now. So John says, let's read it together, can we? We are of God. Is that pride talking? We're, we're of God. Is that what he's doing? No, it's a fact. We are sourced in God through Jesus Christ. So there's nothing wrong with saying, I know I know him. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of what, everybody? Error. The word know there is gnosko, meaning a progressive experiential knowledge. He's referring to the saint who's growing spiritually. That's who he's talking about. John's message all through this letter is that men's attitude to the message of the incarnate Savior, who as God came to earth in the flesh, ranks them on this side of truth or that. Their response to the message of the incarnation. What is the Da Vinci Code all about? huh? Wise. Just wise. Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had children. And there's this you know, priestly lineage from Christ's seed and all this blasphemy, frankly. Uh-uh. He says, we're of God, and he says, we're growing spiritually, and he's saying, whichever side of the message you're on, you're on God's side or the world's. It really is a matter of being on sides. One commentator writes, John had felt the cold, indifferent, and hostile stare of the worldling as he preached Jesus. He knew it. He knew there are certain people you can talk to about the gospel. I had the privilege yesterday of, of uh, ministering at the funeral of Lloyd Cox, and there's Carol back there, and it was packed. And I said to Carol, I said, now, Carol, I'm going to minister the gospel. She said, oh, please do what you do. Do it. So this place was packed, and there were so many of them that, um, didn't know the Lord. They just didn't know the Lord, right, Carol? I mean, they were just... And so I just dove in with the gospel, and I talked about uh, Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, dying for our sins. And I know exactly what the statement means that I just read. Some of them were looking at me like, yes, amen. And I heard a big amen from Carol. And some of them were... They were looking for the nearest exit door, and... I'm telling you, you had people being blessed and you had tension mixed in the audience because if you don't know him and you hear that message, you, don't, you hear, but you don't hear. Oh, here he goes, you know, what a terrible place to get religious on us. This is a funeral. What a great place to get religious on you. <laughs> So I just sowed the seed and left, left the fallout with God. But it is entirely different when one preaches Christ to believers. There's a distinct recognition, gnosko and amen, that arises from a saved person. The lost person hears with the ear, but not with the understanding. John said they don't hear us. They don't hear us. Amen. Can you say with me, God is good? Well, let's stand up together tonight. <clears throat> Amen. 
And I got to tell you, boy, I'm bracing myself for going out there to about 1,300 people in 10 days. And we've already got Reunion Arena rented for the 14th of October. What if we went out to 18,000 people? I know what I'm going to encounter when I share the gospel. We come here to hear guitars. And you just let it go. And you trust the seed of the word of God. But it's a spirit. Amen? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, that you have come and given us an understanding and opened our eyes. Thank you, Lord, that when the Holy Spirit came into us, the enemy lost his home. And thank you that he will never have these homes again. Now, Lord, help us to walk in the light and walk in the truth and to not be gullible Christians believing every spirit, but to try them and test them. And if something says... In our minds, it's not sound, it's not right. And the Holy Spirit testifies likewise. Lord, just to turn it off, to walk away, to not listen to it. And thank you, Lord God, for your wisdom tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you're going to need discernment at this table out here. (laughs) Calorie discernment. And uh, So go and get some of that food and coffee and God bless you. Bring somebody Sunday who needs Jesus.